the Israeli government falls in less than a year. Wall Street statistics indicate the recession is already here. The U.S. is snubbed by Saudi Arabia and other OPEC nations. Japan's former prime minister is assassinated while campaigning for conservative principles. Sri Lanka's government falls while the nation looms further into debt. Food shortages and protests are taking place around the globe. Gulf nations are uniting around their common enemy in Iran, all while many in the global church are following woke directives while denying the preaching of the gospel. These are just but a few of the many developments we are following on Modern Headlines Meets Bible Prophecy, July 2022. I am Mark, and you are listening to The Russick Outlook. As always, just my opinion. Hello, everybody. My name is Mark. You're watching and listening to The Russick Outlook. Thank you very much for joining today's topic, Modern Headlines, Meets Bible Prophecy, July 2022. This is part of a monthly series where I take a peek around the headlines around the world, investigating or looking at the different nations and seeing if there's any signposts or indicators uh, or events that are happening that could be, you know, foreshadows or, or, you know, indicators of what the Bible has laid out in terms of leading up to the time of King Jesus' return. Uh, as many of you know, this is what the Bible calls the last days, and I do believe that we are living in that. In terms of a timeline, I don't know, and you know, I've, I've always said that uh, Jesus said, only the Father knows, so I'll never pretend for that. But Jesus also said that when you see these signs of what he laid out, when the apostles and his disciples asked him, what will be the signs of your return? He said, he laid them out, and then he said, look up for your redemption draws nigh. So I believe we are seeing these signs, and it's part of the reason that I do this. I, I try to take a peek around the world because as an American, I am guilty of looking at what the American headlines are, whether it's political, cultural, uh, the, the militaries and whatnot. But I, I force myself to look at all these different um, uh, online magazines, newspapers, things like that. And again, the headlines from around the world, particularly Israel, because Really, it's all based upon Israel. If you want to know where, where the direction of the world is, you can look and start first with Israel and the nation's relationship with Israel. So on that note, before I you know expand upon this, I, I'm going to ask if you please uh, uh, hit the like and the subscribe button, whatever the platform you're on. We're now on Rumble. We're on YouTube, the, all of the various podcast platforms, uh, Google, Apple, Spotify. Um, so you know, whatever it is, hit that bell, uh, hit that bell, hit hit the like and the subscribe button, ring the bell, and, and leave us a comment, you know, see, tell us what you think, if you like it, if you don't like it, uh, you know, I, I, again, all information and all exchanges is always good. Last, if you, if you could, I would appreciate, and I know many of you have, go to the Russick Outlook, sign up for our email list, and we notify you of, of new events, new things to come. Um, as well as some indicators for some different Zoom presentations that we do interactively. So let me get into this uh, because there's a lot to cover. And I give you here a little bit of a montage of images. These are some of the things that we'll be discussing and looking at uh, because there's a lot that's that's happening. And and I think many of this has been laid out in the Bible. So uh, we'll get into what all of these images are. But before we do, if you're following me on video, I wanted to give you five good reasons uh, of, of why I do something like this and why prophecy is so important. 
because prophecy is an indicator of the validity of the scripture. And without question, God has proven himself and his word faithful and true. So I wanted to cover some scriptures right off the bat about why we can trust the Bible and why we look at things around the world because the Bible foretold so much of it. So let me go back to the slide here. Number one reason, the only one who can predict the future with absolute certainty is he who controls it. Isaiah 14, 24 says this, The Lord of hosts has sworn, saying, Surely as I have thought, so it shall come to pass. And as I have purposed, so shall it stand. Number two, God gives us prophecy to warn unbelievers and comfort believers. That's so important because I believe prophecy is not only given to substantiate the gospel, but it's a gift of mercy because he's warning, you know, the Lord is warning that that Jesus is coming. And, you know, Jesus said, I'm coming. I am coming soon. So First uh, Peter 1, 3 through 5, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away. It is reserved in heaven for you. You have an inheritance from the King of Kings. It's reserved with your name on it who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So again, you know, and and I'll be covering some of these. So if you're not a believer, if you're a skeptic, hopefully you'll see some of these scriptures because God's word is true. There's just, you know, it's it's been proved, it's never been proven incorrect. And, you know, all of, I'll put it this way, and I've said this many times, approximately one third of the Bible is prophetic. And two-thirds of those prophecies have already come to pass, and I'll show you some in a, in, in a moment here, that proves beyond the shadow of any doubt that the Word of God can be trusted. So let me go back to this. Number three, prophecy gives us assurance that all of the Bible is true. Numbers twenty-three nineteen: God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has, has he said, and will he not do, or has he spoken, and he, and he, I'm sorry, and will he not make it good? Number four, the Bible and the Christian faith have no rival that can help us to understand the future. Jesus said this, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. He didn't say that, but he was telling his disciples, I must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. So just as he said, exactly as he said, and the historical records bear this out, that he was killed on the Passover. And the verification of the resurrection has been proven time and time again by many sources well outside of the Bible. And five, the confirmation of the Bible's truth depends on the truth of its prophetic writings. And I can point this out to you right here. Israel is regathered twice. That's happened. Never has a nation undergone that once, never mind twice. Israel is regathered from the north, uh, Jeremiah 16, 14. It is born in a single day. May 14th, 1948 was the day that Israel was reborn, just as the Bible said it would happen in a day. 
Jerusalem is retaken by the Jews. Luke 21, 20 through 24. We know the Jews uh, uh, um, after the advent of the, of the Six-Day War in 1967, and Israel remains divided, which Joel 3, 1 through 2, and we know uh, that it does remain divided, that the Palestinians are trying to claim their stake, and you know so many people want to divide the land, and we're going to talk a lot about that. But I wanted to kind of lay that framework for you because I think it's important that this is part of the reason that, that I like to look at these things and like to look at, you know, what's happening. So on that note, when we're talking about the validity of prophecy, let me let me cut to this. Here's some headlines fr- from the Middle East just in the last couple of weeks. July 21st, Israel watches warily as Russia and Iran build stronger ties. If you go to the right, Putin visits Iran on the first trip outside the former Soviet Union since the Ukraine war. So you have three people in this picture uh, that they gathered in Iran for a, a conference, which they've done for several years now with COVID. They had to do it remotely, but the Ayatollah Rouhani, uh, Aragon, the the uh, um, uh, leader of Turkey, and, and Vladimir Putin, the leader of Russia. So these three nations are gathered. These three nations, which are outlined in the book of Ezekiel, twenty five written 2,500 years ago, said that these nations will gather and that they, they will uh, attack Israel with a coalition of other nations. But these are the three forefront and all three of these have militaries on the northern border of Israel as we sit today in Syria. How could that possibly be 2,500 years ago? And that's what we're living in. That's what we're looking at. Um, the European Union expresses concern over continuing, uh, continuously increasing settlement expansion. So this is part of what I refer to as anti-Semitism as, as evil, where this tiny nation and they're just trying to always divide it. And, and this is really, you know, what, what Europe puts a lot of pressure on. They'll threaten embargoes and, and different um, uh, trading penalties and, you know, the, 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 the UN condemnations and so forth and so on. But so here you have Europe really pressing um, Israel to to stop its expansion or stop its settlement building in, in parts of, of Judea or, um, as, as some would call it, the West Bank. There's a picture here um, uh, alongside uh, 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 Mahmoud Abbas in Paris. Macron, President Macron, calls for uh, Israeli-Palestinian dialogue. He is an advocate of the two-state solution. Um, and then just... Another interesting development with Iran and Russia. Uh, Russia is acquiring Iranian drones. And, you know, what's interesting there is um, Iran has become one of the leading developers of military drones. And so now they're selling them to Russia. and, And it looks like they'll be using that in the Ukraine war as well. And I believe they already have. Uh, to a certain extent. So, you know, those are some interesting developments there. And then Iran's Khamenei uh, has told Erdogan in Turkey to please avoid military action in northern Syria. Uh, And that, you know, if you continue to go further north, there's the escalation in Iraq as well with the Kurds and and the problems there with Turkey. But so that all, it's all happening within the last couple of weeks. 
Um, as many of you know, uh, the 46th president visited uh, Middle East, and I will say it was pretty much a catastrophe, uh, and, and I'll lay out some of the reasons why, but I want to let me give you some of the highlights here. Um, he, he came out and he stated he supports the two-state solution based upon 1967 pre-line, so not even acknowledging the, the victories in the 67 Six-Day War, which was a clear miracle um, so he's put, you know, no, no, no surprise there. 44 did the same thing. Um, so it shows here that Abbas and, and um, 46 had a had a co- press conference. I'm going to show you some of the results of that or some of the interesting points that came out of that. Um, Biden and Lapine signed a declaration against Iran uh, in, in accordance with the with the Abraham Accords. It was really you know, I don't want to diminish or demean anything, but it was fluff. It was, you know, just, hey, you know, we agree to support one another in, in condemning Iran's nuclear ambitions. And um, but at the same time, uh, 46 came out and said, you know, we would uh, engage or support military action only as a last resort. Whether that's the case, you know, you always want that as a last resort. But you don't want your enemies to know, you know, what you're thinking and your strategies are. So there's a, a lot, a great deal of appeasement there. At the same time, I pointed out last month that um, the Israeli government was was on the precipice of of, of being uh, of faltering, and sure, sure enough, it did. So this was your former prime minister. Uh, Naftali Bennett had to step down for lack of support. It was a very, very, very fractured, fragmented government to begin with. Uh, I don't think many people had a great deal of faith in, in terms of its structure and its support, but it, I think it went a lot, went down a lot faster than many people had thought as well. Um, somewhat tying to that in, in terms of Israel and Iran, the UN nuclear chief, Iran's program advancing is at a gallop, and we have very little visibility. Uh, the, he, the Iranians had ch- shut off the cameras that were uh, positioned so that the atomic agency from the UN could monitor a lot of it. They can't. They don't have that visibility any longer. So reports indicate that Iran has enriched more than 33 kilograms of uranium to 60% in 2021. Uh, so a nuclear warhead only requires 20%, and if it can enrich the uranium to 60%, it can enrich two weapons grade 90%, and all indicators are they're there already. Um, and if they're not, they're, they're very close. Uh, many of the intelligence reports coming out of Israel says states they are. Uh, then you also had, as I said, 46 made this um, uh, visit to Israel and then to Saudi Arabia, and uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll get into that in a minute. Some of the highlights there, but it, it was it was just really bad. It was it, it did not achieve anything in my estimation, uh, except for an embarrassment and a lot of negative press coverage from the Gulf states um, and and from certain you know other nations and even our adversaries watching and mocking uh, some of the, some of the headlines from them. Uh, kind of staying with the elections. Of Israel, so the government fell. So you did have the 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 two heads the way it was put in place that Bennett was to be the prime minister for two years, and then uh, um, uh, Yair Lapid, who was the prime acting uh, foreign minister, uh, he is now running the government. So 
it's it's kind of a um, it, it it's on weak weak legs. I'll put it that way. And the next round of elections, I think, is going to be either October or November. And I believe this is their fifth or sixth round of elections in the last five years, four or five years. Um, it's very, very unstable. Uh, Benny Gantz, who's the defense minister, and um, he seems to be, you know, very, very popular in the country. And let me just say this, too. Israel, Israeli politics is unlike anything that you can really bank on. As an American, I'm used to the two-party or even the three-party, you know, where you have uh, a fair degree of, of, of people, I'm sorry, excuse me, who stay independent. Um, but I, I, I'm, I'm going to say seven or eight parties in Israel, it's it's very difficult to follow. And, and it's it's a very tumultuous trail that you have to navigate. But at any rate, uh, you know, there are indicators that Benny Gantz may be vying for uh, uh, the election in November. Um, so, you know, things to watch there. They believe he can get as many as 12 to 15 of, 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 the, of the seats for the Knesset, which could give him control. Whereas this previous election uh, cabinet, I believe, came into power with only five seats. Uh, on the right here, you, I, I show you again Emmanuel Macron. Uh, supporting Yair Lapid. Now, um, Macron is is a graduate, I'll call it, of the World Economic Forum, so I'm highly suspicious of him. And Lapid is, uh, you know, certainly someone with who advocates a far more liberal policy. So, you know, interesting things to watch there. Um, I told you about uh, 46 coming to um, uh, Saudi Arabia. Uh, much ado about Kosogi, the uh, the uh, member of the press who was murdered, I think about 18 months ago, maybe. Um, let me just briefly say, we don't know all, all of what happened there. Um, there's a couple of things. I'm going to say this. MSM, who's the leader now uh, of, of Saudi Arabia, um, Mohammed Simbal, uh, oh, I, pronounce, I mispronounced the name. Goes by MSM, so uh, pardon me for that. Um, Mohammed bin Salam, I believe that is. I'm sorry, it's going to bother me. Uh, but but at any rate, there are some reports that I had heard. Uh, Joel Rosenberg, who I just think the world of in his ministry, the Joshua Fund out there in Israel, um, he, you know, there were some indicators that he got that Sogi was a member of Al-Qaeda. That's not substantiated or supported Al-Qaeda. So, you know, there are things that we don't know. I'll, I'm just going to put it that way. And, you know, when, when I see some of the more liberal congressmen and women, you know, part, part of that, uh, um, that, that group that support a lot of the terrorists or a lot of the, uh, or, or push very strongly for the two-state solution and really do a lot of condemnation of Israel. Um, we, you know, we, we just don't know. And I will say there are so many good reports coming out of Saudi Arabia in terms of letting down some of the, um, or expanding, I'll put it this way, of religious liberties, um, more female rights in, in, in terms of bringing them into government, um, 
easing a lot of the restrictions. And I'll just say it this way. Saudi Arabia is is obviously, you know, one of the kingpins, if not the kingpin of the Middle East. And, you know, with uh, Mecca, it, it's, it's considered, you know, for many, the, the, the home of, of Islam. So there's a lot of pressure that you have to navigate and deal with. And a lot of the people who are observing MSM's uh, policies over the last couple of years have really given him a lot of credit. And I noticed that when 46 went over there, you know, they slammed Saudi Arabia and I'm not supporting it in any way, but I am saying that there, there's progress there. And there are some, some things where, it, you know, I, I would think it takes time. And, and again, supposedly he had a great deal to do with the signing of the Abraham Accords for the UAE and Bahrain. Um, so he seems to be a stabilizing force. They're sharing uh, uh, military intelligence with the uh, Mossad and the Israeli government. Uh, they've uh, opened up uh, flying zone lanes where the, the, the Israelis can fly over Saudi uh, airspace, I'm sure, with certain permissions and, and uh, stipulations. But, you know, five years ago, they couldn't at all. So there, there's a lot that's happening. And I'm just saying all of this because... You know, it's easy to just, if you're an American, as I am, you know, you see the West, the press in the West, uh, and you see, you know, what's being fed to you. But that's why it's really good to look at sources outside of what your natural comfort zone is. So kind of getting back to 46's visit, um, and, and I say that because uh, MSM had said he had nothing to do with Kosogi's, uh death. But some of the things that were very troubling, you know, 46 gets on Israeli uh, uh, land and, you know, one of his opening lines is, we must keep alive the honor of the Holocaust. And, you know, this guy is gaff after gaff after gaff. And, you know, it's embarrassing. His administration is constantly covering for him. He's clearly... Um, cerebrally challenged in the later stages of life. And and a lot of the press, including many in the Middle East, you know, they were shocked at how his slurring of words, his mispronunciation of words, um, it, it just really stood out. And then when he's, you know, turns around to honor the Holocaust in Israel of all places, it just, it defies you. So some of the other things that, that happened was um, he visited an all-Arab hospital uh and it signaled it about face-to-face of America's longstanding support for an undivided Jerusalem. Remember, 45 uh, had designated Jerusalem now as the natural capital of Israel. Uh, you know, no surprise there. Uh, but he, they, while there, and, and they made this visit, he refused to permit Israeli officials to accompany him. His team removed the Israeli flag from his limousine. I mean, how just it's just so weak. It's such a sign of weakness and appeasement. Uh, and, and if you can't, you know, stand on principle, and they clearly can't, and we'll see this in, in other instances as we move along here, uh, and they refuse to allow Israeli reporters to participate in the, in the, press, pool, in the press pool. Excuse me. Um, and then, you know, some of, some of the other notes that came out of it, uh, 46 began what quickly became a rambling, largely incoherent speech about how much he likes nurses, hates cancer, and misses his late son, Bo, 
with the most hostile anti-Zionist characterization of any uh, U.S. president in, in, in terms of Israel. He basically, you know, made, made reference to the fact that they were like a colonial power. Um, and uh, it, it, it was just very, very badly reported throughout Israel and, and again, other parts of the Middle East. Um so whereas the rest of the speech was so inco incoherent, it is hard to imagine it was with anything other than the, than the cuff. 46 slander of Israel as a colonialist power was clearly prepared because it was followed from a quote from an Irish poem. So, you know, these people, these people meaning the administration, um, the the uh, Blinken and, and 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 the Secretary of, of of State in their office. These are all well um, tailored words. They're 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 meant to cause and stri uh, strife and division. Um, then I just talk about here Saudi Arabia. Uh, you know, one of the things and the challenges we have is, you know, they they support the two state solution. They want the Palestinians in East Jerusalem. So you know, clearly that's something that the Israelis, you know, can't line up behind, but that, you know, that gives Abbas a little bit of juice, you know, whether that they have to say that for, um, uh, you know, for, for public consumption, I'll call it sometimes, and this is common with a lot of, you know, politics, you'll have to say certain things uh, to, to appease the masses, but, you know, as much as, I, you know, I'm grateful for some of the developments, in Saudi Arabia, um, if, if you're a Christian, um, some very interesting developments. Egypt is building some of the largest evangelical churches. They've welcomed evangelical um, uh, delegations. I mentioned Joel Rosenberg earlier. He's been there a couple times now. S to Egypt, Jordan, uh, Bahrain, and the UAE, there's also indications of churches being built there. So these are Muslim-dominated countries where the gospel is going forth. And it may seem like slow developments, but they're important. And, and you know, and I will say this. I've, I've mentioned this a couple of times. Iran uh, is the largest growing church in, in, in the world today. So despite the persecution, despite everything that's going on there, Jesus is moving forcefully. And, you know, it's just an awesome sight to see. So sticking with Israel, uh, I did want to point out here that the IDF chief of staff made the first official visit to Morocco. So they were one of the four nations that signed the, uh, the Abraham Accords, um, and they're basically, they're working on joint military ties uh, with Northern Africa. So I don't know how this all plays out, but if you look at Ezekiel 38, there are some nations, whether it's a soft... Uh, a lay down or putting aside, not engaging in the war, I'll put it that way. Uh, that could be some of these nations with the Abraham Accord of what Ezekiel 38 laid down, um, meaning the area of Dedan, which is Saudi Arabia, considered to be Saudi Arabia. Uh, but again, the, the some of the Arab Gulf states that are have this cooperation. Um, and, and so I've mentioned Morocco. You, you've had some cooperation with Sudan. Um you, you have Egypt, you have Jordan, uh, and then, you know, Bahrain, the UAE, uh, to a moderate degree, Qatar and, and Kuwait. So there's, you know, there, there, there's interesting developments. This is the hotbed. This is why I say, 
you know, all of prophecy, we really need to be looking at what the nation's relationship is uh, with Israel. Um, Israel, the UAE, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, and Bahrain wanted to hear from 46 on how the U.S. intends to block Iran from a nuclear armed state. And really what they got is, is more appeasement. Uh, they, they just said they're going to stay the course and they're still supposedly trying to um, in, engage in uh, uh, diplomacy, you know, part of these uh, accords of what was signed in 2015 with 44. So let me switch gears now. Let me go over to Russia because you don't hear a lot lately in terms of the Russia-Ukraine war. So I just kind of wanted to bring you up to some of the developments. It's important. Ukraine is the largest uh, exporter of grain, and because of the uh, the ports that are being captured and blocked, uh, you know, it's hard to get this 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 grain out there and this other information, I mean, uh, uh, um, other exports out there. So this was in the last couple of days. Russia and Ukraine agreed for a ceasefire to allow some of the these this food to be shipped around the world because it has a global impact. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, it's just, you know, I, I think in less than 24 hours after the agreement was signed near Odessa, there were more bombings, more, you know, so basically the, the, the ceasefire didn't hold up. And this potentially has a monumental impact on the world's food supply, and this can't be minimized. Um, and, and also, you know, we, we hear so much about uh, uh, fertilizer, and it's the same thing. You know, the farmers don't have the fertilizer, and they can't afford the fuel costs. So it's, you see this is building up. Uh, the U.S. is working on Plan B if the grain deal fails. Uh, the Ukraine celebrates some success in Kershon. Uh, they've been able to get, get back some land. And uh, the Russian forces are, are attacking in, in the eastern portion. They continue that onslaught over there. And so you see, you know, here's Russia and, and, and here's the eastern portion of Ukraine. And it goes down in, into here. And this is the, the coastal region. And this is kind of where they're trying to, to keep that intact. And again, the import-export, the, the lanes are being blocked. And that, that, that's really, you know, a big part of the fight there. And it was also something interesting. Lavrov, who's the foreign minister for Russia, uh, he's embarked on an African tour. So they're really building up their, uh, their, their might and their influence in northern Africa. They have troops throughout Libya. So, you know, Russia, as what was laid out in, in, uh, in, in Ezekiel 38, you know, it's expanding its tentacles. It's in Syria. It's in, you know, portions of the Middle East. It has good relationship and ties and partnerships with Xi Jinping and China. It's making its it, 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 its tentacles expanding again into Africa, uh, its influence on the world with what's happening in Ukraine. And, you know, th this is... This is the strongest power of what was laid out in Ezekiel 38. And then just a, a minor note here, but I think it is significant. The Russian Navy took delivery of what is the world's lo uh, longest known submarine. Um, and and one, one its maker touts as a research vessel. Um, but experts say it is designed as a modified version of Russia's Oscar II class guided missile submarine 
made longer with the aim to eventually accommodate the world's first nuclear-armed stealth torpedoes and equipment for intelligence gathering. So, you know, that's pretty big. And a lot of times people are pointing to the fact of how the you know how much how much hits the Russians have taken with the Ukraine war, but they're still selling gas, they're still selling energy, they're still moving fuel, they still have deals, and the deals are being cut and they must be purchased with the ruble. They have a lot of exchange going on still with China. So, you know, there's so much to follow there and to watch there as it lines up with. And then the last thing before I I didn't put put anything together on this, but I mentioned this last month, um, the Israelis have deals working now with uh, exporting their natural gas of what, you know, has really come into the forefront the last five or six years into Europe. So as Europe is getting away from purchasing Russian fuel and Russian energy, they're cutting the deal with Israel, and those, li- uh, the, those lines and, and pipelines are being cut. They're already out, up through the Mediterranean into Cyprus and parts of Italy. This is all, you know, it's part of it, and, and this hurts Russia. So here you've got a situation where Israel's natural resources are cutting into the bottom line of Russia, or, you know, what is known in Ezekiel as Gog of Magog. So that could potentially be the hook in the jaw that, that God says he will put a hook in his jaw and pull him out. So, you know, it's something to watch, something to look for. Let me switch gears to the economy for a second. Uh, Wall Street says we're in a recession. You know, they, the administration is denying it, uh, that we're not going to get there. Some uh, uh, investment firms are saying it's possible, but many say... You know, the numbers are here. The interest rates are going up. It's impacting the housing markets. And, you know, the, the economy in general is in shambles right now. Uh, the GDP, the, the, uh, the, the housing market, the food shortages, the baby food formula shortages, um, the backup in, in terms of supply, of getting supply out of the ports. They're talking about more strikes and, you know, another thing, too, I didn't really mention was the airlines and the, and, and the havoc that that's causing. The shortages, they've lost a lot of pilots and uh, stewardesses because of the COVID restrictions and people not getting the, the COVID vaccine. So, you know, all of this is contributing to a global financial, I'm not going to call it a meltdown, but it's it's certainly very serious unless... You know, something dramatic happens. I don't see it getting better because the policies for, on the American side is, is not going to help it, the current policies, I'll put it that way. Um, you also had an interesting development with the World Economic Forum called the New Champion Dialogues. Uh, they were brought together from leaders from across the globe to look at major global issues from supply chain to energy transition, the Chinese economy, and they also explored solutions to other global challenges. So uh, World Economic Forum having, you know, kind of expanding its tentacles. Uh, Let me switch gears to Asia for a second. We've talked many times about the importance of China and the the uh, how they're claiming that Taiwan is really Chinese sovereignty, Chinese land, and that we've recognized Taiwan, uh, Taiwan as an independent nation. So the Speaker Pelosi is planning to make a trip there. Uh, the Chinese kind of didn't like that, let it be known. And then the Biden administration came in and strongly condemned 
her potential trip, kind of asking if she wouldn't go because she thinks or the administration thinks that this sends a wrong message to China. So never mind standing on principles or standing with our allies. Uh, and then there's always the concern of this administration's um, what's the word I want, uh, compromised situation with China, uh, so much so that, you know, some of our oil reserves that we were supposed to get back into the American markets were, in fact, sold to some Chinese companies. So interesting developments there. Then you had in Japan, Shinzo uh, Abe, a device, uh, a, he was the most popular, I think, the prime minister of Japan for many, many years. Um and he was really a sh- strong and staunch ally and, and supporter of China, uh, of Japanese nationalism. Um, he, he pushed for a strong economy, a strong military. He stood up to China in terms of Taiwan. They're very concerned about, uh, you know, the South China Sea and, and, and the lanes there. Uh, but he was out politically campaigning for some other conservative politicians. He's, you know, and since been removed but very, very popular in Japan. And uh, unfortunately, he was assassinated. So there are some that, you know, were kind of concerned that he really opposes the global order, the global government, and, you know, the the powers that be that are kind of pushing the world towards a global government, citing that, you know, it's possible that that he may have been taken out for that. I I don't know. You know, those are just some of the rumors. But, uh, you know, I... China is very, very important to to watch. You know, they they want to be the the dominating power. So, you know, the, between them and Russia and and their partnerships is certainly counterproductive to anything that America would want to do. Um, so, I did want to point out, and and why do I say that it's important to look at China and you know Revelation. 9.13 through 16 here. Then the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. Now the number of the army of the horsemen was 200 million I heard the number of them. I cite that out because China is the only nation in the world that can come remotely close to the army of 200 million, and obviously they can make that uh, advancement over the Euphrates. Uh, you know, when when you get to uh, the last days, particularly when you get to Armageddon. So, you know, that, that's why, for many reasons, I like to keep an eye on what China is doing, and I think it is important. Um, and what, again, I, I cited the Iranian church. Praise God. You know, the Chinese church, the underground church is flourishing, is booming again. Jesus is Lord in China and, and the, the, the courage and, and what's happening. I would encourage you to to pray for these people, pray for the Iranians, pray for the Chinese and, and the churches, the pastors, the leaders there, the, the men, the women, um, because, they, you know, they, they face true persecution you know, sometimes I'll hear, you know, that, you know, when we had COVID and whatnot, we're being, we being the church, being persecuted and doors closing. And, you know, and, and I think of really what's happening in some of these other nations, and it's just, it doesn't compare. 
I'm going to switch gears for a second to Sri Lanka. And why Sri Lanka? And I think this is, again, it's kind of important because their government was toppled and they, they've really kind of collapsed. They're, they're tremendously in debt. COVID has impacted them terribly. Plus, you know, they rely so much on tourism, um, but they can't pay their, their, their debts. They've run out of the basics, uh, food, fertilizers, medicine. Uh, they have 22 million people. So, you know, this, I think, is potentially something to look at because we could be seeing this in other nations. And I, and, and I cite this here. There are other food protests that are happening right now in the month of July in Albania, Argentina, Panama, Kenya, and Ghana. Uh, further protests are also in Nepal, Pakistan, and Central America. They're starting to to, to, to kind of bubble and surface. So, um, you know, a step away from famine a couple of weeks ago, the head of the United Nations World Food Program warned that a record 345 million acutely hungry people are marching to the brink of starvation. 345 million people are marching towards starvation. So these are some of the warnings, and this is what the Bible indicated, that there would be starvation, there would be food shortages, and, and, and you know, this is what we're seeing. So uh, this is a 25% increase since Russia's invasion of, of Ukraine in late February. 25% increase in, what, six, seven months? It's, it's, the, these are things that we need to be watching and looking out for. Um 46th announced uh, executive actions on climate crisis because I, I, I will say this um, f- for those of you who are in America, uh, Senator Joe Manchin, who is a Democrat, um, is, is standing on principle for so many reasons over the last couple of years. And I would say that he and I, I think the Senate, Senator Cinema from Arizona, but more so Manchin, and I've always... I've seen this in Manchin for many, many years when he was governor and senator, and um, he's a man of principle. And uh, while I don't always agree with his politics, he sees the danger in the reckless printing of money, you know, with nothing to uh, back it up. So he's kind of been standing at the as, as almost like a hedge of protection against completely driving, sinking our economy in the ground because all that this administration and, and the progressives want to do is print money, print money, print money, uh, which, you know, greatly contributed towards, the, you know, our, our challenges today, whether you want to say this is inflation and into a recession or not. You know, inflation numbers are, I think, over 9% now. It's it's just crazy. But uh, so he an- announced... Um, I was going to say, I'm sorry, I got two different things confused here. I apologize. But they're both tied together. So he said he's going to be announcing a number of executive orders on climate change because Manchin reportedly said he will not support a package before the midterm elections, which would cause, uh, which includes provisions for energy and climate. So they want these, the point of the matter is they they want these provisions inserted in, in the printing of money for these climate initiatives because they're, everything they're doing right now is trying to scare you. Everything that you hear from the government is about fear, it's fear, it's fear. Uh, so, you know, the climate thing, you know, we've known for years, this is, you know, part of their bandwagon. 
But I will say, and I would encourage you to pray for Manchin if if, if you're so inclined, uh, because he's really been he's been the the man at the door that's kind of blocking the door from the progressives, you know, just going crazy. Um, then you also have the World Health Organization declares monkeypox a global emergency. This just happened a couple of days ago, and and I you know I point out here some of the less impacted nations. Uh, of what was confirmed and suspected from Australia, Belgium, Canada, France, Germany, Netherlands, Spain, the United States, the United Kingdom. And you see these are single-digit numbers. And they're declaring a global emergency. And why is that important? Well, I, I, I cited in May, and I reported on the, fortunately, on the results in June. But I want to take you to this next slide to remind you. So the World Health Organization is declaring a global health emergency. In May, this current administration wanted to turn over our health sovereignty to the World Health Organization. They they made this deal in January, and they didn't release it to the public until April because it was going to be voted on in May. Fortunately, enough people you know held it up. Why do I say that? Because they were going to hand over our sovereignty to the World Health Organization, and the World Health Organization right now is citing monkeypox as a global health emergency. So as an American, if this went through and they tried to do this in the dark of night to to turn over the constitutional uh, laws to a global health organization, to global governments, and that's how close we are, you know, to, to some of these things happening. So... You know, side note, that was why it was so important. And that is why, you know, I give a lot of credit to Michelle Bachman because she was really ringing the bell, almost like Paul Revere going, folks, we need to wake up and see what this government's trying to do. Uh, So, and you know, at at any rate, I just wanted to point that out. Then uh, the Dutch farmers, uh, they're revolting now. In June, authorities targeted the nation's agricultural industry with regulations about nitrogen emissions. In the pro- proposal, the government directly acknowledged that there is not a future for all farmers. In practice, it means farmers need to reduce their emissions by 70%. Again, it's part of this whole um, uh, uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm not going to say it. I was going to be sarcastic, so I, you know, I'm not. I'm going to try to be good. <clears throat> I'm going to try. Um, so the farmers are re- are revolting, and the Dutch farmers throughout have been uh, protesting, and and they've been having their voices heard. So, you know, again, this contributes to well, what could contribute to um, serious serious food shortages, food problems, again because of. The government mandates wanting to control you, wanting to control what you eat, what you spend, where you spend it. Uh, I'm going to switch gears to what I I personally consider a troubling picture, and this is what's representing the United States government. This was taken from France by our two government officials. So if you're following me on video, I'll describe it to you here. Two members of this administration, Transgender Assistant Health Secretary Rachel Levine and non-binary, can't decide whether she's a man or a woman, Department of Energy official Sam Brinton made a splash at a party of the French ambassador's home. 
Brinton, who dresses in drag, has boasted online about his puppy roll play fetish, wore a blue dress and high heels. Levine, who Biden elevated from Pennsylvania Health Secretary to Health Admiral, despite a high, highly controversial handling of COVID lockdowns, wore a uniform with skirt and heels. So, you know, I can only imagine what other nations are thinking. You know, look, if that's how you want to live your life, that's that's your prerogative. That's, you, you know, you do whatever you want in the privacy of your own home. But unfortunately, you know, everything is being pushed down our throats. This is part of the whole woke agenda, and I'll get into this in a second with the church. Um, and, and this is, you know, I can, I can imagine, you know, we're talking about earlier um, our nation visiting the Middle East and, 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 and just other nations. And what do they really think of it? What do our adversaries think of when they, when they see images like this and see what we're pushing and peddling? So I'm going to cite Romans 126 through 27. For this reason, God gave them up to, a dis, to, to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty of their error. Romans 1, 26 through 27. So, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of citing this. This is what is playing out. This is what's being forced down our throats. Um... A couple of years ago, you would have never seen this, but I, I you know, I, I, to me, it's intentional. It's obviously intentional. I, I wanted to point out one other thing here that I, you know, I was, I was, I was very, very disappointed. I, this is in Boston, and um, you know, Boston's a very special city to me. I went to college there. Uh, so, on the front of one of the oldest and most beautiful churches in the country, the Church of the Covenant in Boston hangs a large banner. This is what was hung this month. And God said, protect abortion access for all. Ensure Black Lives Matter. Honor bodily autonomy. Defend LGBTQ plus rights. End voter suppression. Turn guns into plows. Abandon fossil fuels. Provide sanctuary. Abolish prisons. Disarm hate, speak truth, breathe, in other words, love. So if that's not a clear example of how the church, not all, but a good part of the church has just fallen in line with what these woke policies are, and it's more important for them to be culturally relevant than to preach the gospel. And to stand above everything and say, and, and the fact that it starts with, and God said, when God said none of this, absolutely nothing. And this was at the banner of one of the oldest and most revered churches in the country, I would say, but, you know, in Boston with all of its history. Uh, and I'll, I'll just point out what Second Thessalonians 2, 3. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. So there is a falling away now throughout the church, throughout the you know, church, you know, around the world, and, and we're seeing it, and, you know, we're living it. And, you know, I, something like that, uh, you know, I don't know what else to say. So let me flip gears to a positive. 
But that not all the church is behind, excuse me. So I'm pointing out here uh, an action committee uh, turning point, which is really uh, motivating and, and garnering the truth uh, on college campuses and the importance of college education and standing up against the woke agenda, standing up against the, uh, the progressive agenda of, of many of these administrations, of these universities and higher education. And the reason I wanted to point this out too, I'm I'm so encouraged when I see uh, Jack Hibbs here out in California, his church in California. He supports this. He gets involved because this ties into the Bible. Everything that a lot of the progressive agenda and a lot of what's happening on the college campuses is contrary to biblical principles. It's contrary to the truth of God. It's flying directly in, in the face of it. And I think, my personal opinion, many churches are afraid they're scared to talk about the relevance of, of Christ in culture, the relevance of, of Christ in, in, the, in the avenue of things that are happening around the world. They're afraid to, and this is just my opinion, my opinion, nobody else's. But when I see somebody like Jack, and there are others who are standing on principle and encouraging these young men and women on these college campuses and soon to be in high school and whatnot, encouraging them to get involved and to learn the policies and, and, and the directives of many of the politicians uh, on the local, the state, the, the, the county, and, and, and the federal level, because it does impact us, because much of the agenda is trying to denounce Christian principles. And so I applaud Jack and others like him, uh, you know, and, and particularly Charlie Kirk, who, who leads this organization, Turning Point, you know, for having the courage and, and you know, they're under a lot of heat. They're under, a, you know, a, a lot of um, uh, chastisement or, or, you know. So I, I just kind of wanted to point that out. They just had a, a, a conference this past weekend down in Tampa. I, believe, I know it was in Florida. I believe it was in Tampa. Um, and, you know, and they're getting involved in politics in the action committee because a lot of the policies impact for instance, what we just saw now with uh, the overtone of, of Roe v. Wade, and this is what these guys, these young men and women, stand for. So I, you know, I applaud them, and I just kind of wanted to take notice of that and and point it out. Last, I wanted to just show you something flip side of of, of what I think is is right around the corner with the with the global economy. Amazon announced it was expanding new cashier list dash cart. What does that mean? So the new version of the dash cart, shoppers log in through a QR code in the Amazon or Whole Foods market app. It allows them to easily sign in and begin using the cart. From there, shoppers place their bags in the cart and start shopping, scanning their items using one of the cameras near the uh, handlebar of the dash cart. Excuse me. The cart uses a combination of computer vision algorithms and sensor fusion to help verify each item placed in it and removed from the cart. The, the cart screen shows a real-time receipt of all items in the cart. When shoppers are ready to check out, they simply exit the store through the Amazon Dash Cart Lane, and their payment is processed using the credit card associated with their Amazon accounts. Shoppers received uh, will receive an email receipt. So 
technology is so advanced now that you can go into the grocery market. You can, they'll follow you. The camera will follow you and, and pick up your, your, your purchasing habits, your likes, your dislikes, much like you see online where, you know, you're looking at things and all of a sudden the pop-up windows and, and you know, will, will come up, the advertisements. It's the same premise, but they're monitoring your, your spending habits, what you're spending on, uh, where you're spending it, what lanes you're spending it on. It's down to, you know, the, every little detail. And I point this out because this is what Revelation says is that, you know, and I'm going to point out, matter of fact, I'll read this now. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no man may buy or sell except the one who has the mark or the name of the beast, the number of his name, Revelation 13. My, my point here is this technology is here, and and. So, you know, they will be able, they being, if you have these global currencies and these global markets, they will be able to monitor everything that you're purchasing and allow you to purchase if not. So they'll, you know, if, if, if for whatever reason you don't meet the criteria, we see some of this in the social credit markings in China right now, they can, they can, you know, limit, monitor, squash, whatever you want to spend. So that technology is here. So, you know, if you're in a grocery store and, and you're shopping in your cart in one of these stores, it's already kind of Big Brother is following you and watching you. And it's certainly a matter of convenience, and I have no doubt many people would love it. Uh, and, and I'm not saying, you know, it's bad in that way. But my only point is, you know, the technology is here. So think about John when he wrote this in Revelation a couple thousand years ago. Could he have imagined that that's, you know, technology is, is that here? Is that quick? If you think about um, your, your, I have it right here. I have an Apple Watch. So it's on my wrist. It's already, you know, it, it, I'm, I'm, I, but people are conditioned that, you know, they'll just put, put the Apple Watch near, near the, uh, uh, the scanner and boom, you can take all my, you know, my credit information. What I don't have it in my watch. I, I don't use that, but the technology is there if I wanted to. Um, so, you know, you know, all of these things to me, more indicators, more signs of, 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 of things to come. Um, so let me close on that note. I want to just thank you for your time. If you have any questions, comments, feedback, alert me to things that I may not be aware of that's, that's going on that are tied into some of the topics that we've discussed, uh, by all means, I would love to hear from you. If you have any prayer requests, please email russicoutlook at gmail.com. I'm, I'm happy to do that. Um, and you know, any questions that you might have, uh, let me, let me just do this and, you know, just, uh, again, I'm just so grateful for, for your time. And, and I want to thank you. If you have any prayer requests, if you, let me just say it this way. I, I wasn't sure, but I just, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, or if you're not sure you can ask him into your heart. Everybody who sees this video will acknowledge that you've fallen short. You've missed it. You've lied. You've cheated. You've, you've done things that are wrong. And it is only by the saving grace that Jesus Christ has laid out in the Bible as all of these things that we've covered. He's made himself known and he wants to make himself known to you. So I encourage you to please ask him into your heart. And, uh, you know, the Bible makes it very simple. He said, you know, they that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
Uh, so if you confess with your heart and believe, you know, that Jesus Christ rose from, died and rose from the dead for your sins, and you speak that, you ask him into your life, he will come into your life. So uh, I, I don't know if I said that for somebody, but if I did, wonderful. Uh, I just want to thank you again for your time. Uh, just email me. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. You've been listening to The Rustic Outlook. And remember, as always, just my opinion.